Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Chris Evans here and welcome along to the latest edition of the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, Hollywood's very own Lucy Boynton gives us the lowdown on the TV adaptation of Agatha Christie's Why Didn't They Ask Evans? Star of stage and screen, Bertie Carvel tells us about playing Donald Trump in his latest show, The 47th, at the Old Vic Theatre in London. Cracking comedian Patrick Kilty is back, back, back with a brand new UK tour, dropping in to talk to us about Borderline. And the lovely lead singer of Train, Pat Monaghan could not have been nice about the show. <laughs> Just listen to it for that. Uh, and also, he played as his brand new single, AM Gold, the title track from the forthcoming brand new train album. All of that and so much more to come. So, Dapper Dave, who is first? From Bohemian Rhapsody to the Ipcris file, if it's decent, she's more than likely in it. The new series, Why Didn't They Ask Evan, starts next Thursday on BritBox. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome an actress here to be asked some questions by Evans. It's Lucy Boynton! All right, Lucy! Hello! How are you today? I'm good, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Congratulations, this show is awesome. Thank you. It's really, really cool. Thank you. And you found yourself working with one of your heroes. Well, many of your heroes, actually, but one particularly behind the camera, the amazing Hugh Laurie. Oh, yeah. Tell us about that. Oh, it's just a dream from beginning to end. And I mean, I think as soon as you realise or read that Hugh Laurie is attached to something, you know, it's guaranteed a certain level of quality. But then actually working with him kind of surpassed all expectations. He was just, he cares so much about everyone's experience and the characters themselves so it was just beautiful we get to see him a bit don't we but he's we do. Ma- he's mostly behind the camera he adapted uh, the screenplay of course he did. Uh, it's a very famous Agatha Christie um, novel a murder mystery why didn't they ask Evans nothing to do with me by the way <laughs> sure. in- disclaimer innocent your honour absolutely uh, but she I mean what a wealth of experience he brings did you ask him about his time in America I didn't so much. Oh, my, I cause, didn't. Because he know. was house, wasn't he? For of course, seven years. But was you it? get kind of, I think, self-conscious about interrogating someone with that level of experience yeah. and expertise. I don't. I don't. Great. I mean, yes, no. <laughs> as you shouldn't. I do. I should say. Um, but no, and it was just such a joy to like to be unraveling this book, this story, these characters with him. So it was kind of just you know dissecting it all with him and grilling him on his. Uh, kind of expertise. What, what kind of things does he say to you from behind the camera? Camera? How does he help? How as a director? Well, he just. I think as an actor, you just have such a different kind of perspective, and so he really comes at it from the center rather than the outside in so he really knows the emotional track of the characters and one of the first things he told me was that frankie my character was his childhood crush really so he yeah has a kind of what, insight a, into a literary a literary crush. crush see he's cool isn't he he's that's so, such a cool thing to say to fall in love he's with so characters superior. in a book i know you know um, he's, a, he's an amazing musician as well he came on the show is. once because he had an album out and it's yeah. like he's he a, does everything he he's, does everything he he's excels very at annoying. everything and what's really annoying about him he's a he's a really nice person <laughs> he's an incredibly kind person how does he do all this I know, lucy i know Oh. I know that's um, Hugh Laurie, but he's not the only magic that uh, you're surrounded by, including, of course, your own. So who who Thank else you. is starring in this with you? Um, so Will Poulter yeah, stars you, as Bobby love, Jones. I love Will who Poulter. Who is just the kindest, another really kind, talented human being. Can I say something about Will, please? please? Do. Sorry to keep interrupting. No, I'm very enthused. I'm very excited today. As you can tell. I love it. Um, I think that if the next Bond film is an origin story, as it may have to be, oh. that's all I'm saying about that. If it is an origin story. They could do a lot worse than Will Poulter as a young Bond. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. I just said, I just put it out there. Not that I know anything. Put it out into the universe. Any wish. Exactly, you know. You know how yeah. manifestation works. Oh, yeah. Right, uh, who else is in this with you? Uh, Emma Thompson and Jim Broadbent play <laughs> my parents. Which is a right laugh. Which is a really surreal <laughs> and, sentence And they to appear say. from nowhere. They do. And it's they like, are... hang on a minute, that's Jim Broadbent. Yeah. And then, five seconds later, hang on a minute, that's Emma Thompson. <laughs> they are such a treat. And yeah, and watching that scene, I mean, Poulter and I just stood back and watched from the sidelines and it was just pure joy. And to watch them have so much fun with it as well it was kind of infectious. It was great. And of course, you know, that's the that's the Hugh Laurie effect for you there, yes. isn't it? That's him going through his phone book and going, yeah. uh, Emma, yeah. You know, uh, are you busy? 
you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else is in it? Um, Patrick Barlow yeah. is in it. Um, so Dannings. I'm, I'm fishing Conley. Oh yeah, of course. Exactly. I mean, Conleth yeah. was the Conleth Hill is in this, my friend. The sunshine of so many of our days. Will got so much more time with him than I did. But finally, when our is days that before, overlap, is that before the thing happened? The thing. Oh uh, yeah, we can't. Yeah. I know we can't uh-huh, say that. Uh-huh. But, um, the spoiler. Yeah. Um, there are many spoilers that we could. Uh, we, uh-huh. we could but, uh, explode. But he was so fun. That man is one He's of the brilliant. funniest He's, human beings. But also, so you're filming this Agatha Christie. A movie, you know, and it, it starts off um, uh, with Conlith and with Will, you know, their characters, that is, on a golf course, right? And you go, okay, I'm happy. I'm happy now. Because as a view, you've got to be comfortable, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, even, even you know, if later on the director and the writers and the geniuses that make all this stuff want you to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I, I suppose, actually, you've either got to be really uncomfortable or really comfortable. It's when you get caught in the middle at the beginning of the film, you go, I don't know where I am with this. Um, and it starts off, and they're on this beautiful golf course. <laughs> you think, okay, I want to be in period with you guys. I want to be with you guys because you're both brilliant. And they happen to be on a golf course. And I was double screening yesterday because I was watching the Masters, right? So I had the go- had golf live from Augusta, and I'm watching your thing, and I had yet more golf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for the golf, Luce. You are welcome. You are welcome. Where- Slightly different tone on this golf course, yeah. of course. Yeah. But, uh, um, but where was it? Where were you making this movie? In Wales. So we started in Wales. It was half between Wales and the outskirts of London. But that was kind of on the cliff edge in Wales. It was so beautiful. Yeah, where about, do, you know, do you know which golf course it oh was? Oh my God, don't ask me about my geography. Because it's, cool. I mean, it's like no. straight away, please, I want to be there. I want to be no. with these guys. All right, I'll how, find out. I'll get back to you. It starts with an act, talking of the cliff edge, you know, uh, cliffs can be a bit too edgy for some characters in Agatha Christie novels. Oh, indeed. And um, one falls over, you know, um, one falls off the cliff. Um, and then we think, is there something dastardly going on? Well, probably. It's an Agatha Christie novel. <laughs> how much do we say about what, what ensues beyond that point? Yeah, that that that's not too much of a spoiler. And then and Bobby Jones, Will's character, finds him, and this is where the man, the dying man, utters his last words: "Why didn't they ask Evans?" Yeah. Which then Bobby, I think, would be very happy to leave to the authorities to solve. But yeah. in rolls in, uh, ro- Frankie, my character, rolls back into town, and she kind of cajoles him to go on this adventure to get to the bottom of that. And they've got a past, haven't they? They do. They grew up together. So they're childhood friends and now they're meeting again as adults. She's been living the society life in London. He was in the Navy and they're now kind of reunited. And it's beautiful because there's some inversion of snobbery going on in exchanges. Yeah. And there's a definite class difference, which I think they weren't as aware of as kids. And now they're definitely being presented as adults because of the societal expectations. But there's that shorthand as well of only really seeing each other as they used to know and then kind of obviously the encroaching pressures. But uh, but as with all of Agatha Christie's characters, I always say they're always written with such crisp intelligence and emotional intelligence. So it's really rewarding, I think, seeing that that kind of brain operate this situation. Uh, Lucy, anything you'd like to say to everybody listening uh, before we bid you farewell and thank you? Make sure to check out Why Didn't They Ask Evans next week, starting on the 14th. God, she's very good. 14th of April on Britbox. Great to meet you, Lucy. Thank you so much. You are welcome back anytime. You're a complete joy to have around. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He'll be playing Tony Blair in The Crown later this year, but for now he's turning his attention to our old pal Donald. His new play, The 47th, is on right now at the Old Vic in London, so if you want to watch a man on stage doing a spectacular Trump, then look no further than the always brilliant Bertie Carmel! Uh, How's your spectacular Trumping going, Bertie? Oh, it's great. It's loud and, yeah, very full-bodied. All right, come on. Um, It sounds amazing. The more I read about it, the more uh, hilarious I I think it probably is, and also terrifying, and I'm not sure which because whenever you one one is tempted to laugh at Trump, everybody laughs at him nervously mm. because it could it could go either way. It could always go either way. It's called the forty seventh. Why is it called the forty seventh? Uh, the forty seventh president of the United States will be elected in twenty twenty four, and uh, this play imagines the run up to that election. Mike Bartlett, who wrote it, um, wrote a play called King Charles the Third a few years ago, imagining uh, Charles becoming king and what he might do as king uh, in an iambic pentameter for anyone who's done Shakespeare at GCSE as I did um, you know you'll remember the iambic pentameter um, it allows him to kind of treat these like really elevated heightened scenarios and uh, like Shakespeare did with his history plays sort of use dramatic license to kind of get inside the brains of, of those people so yeah it's imagining the American 
presidential election 2024, what might happen. And uh, Donald Trump looms large as ever in that story, as does Kamala Harris, uh, Ivanka Trump and Biden and others. And they're all in there. So you have other actors on stage playing the other roles. That's right. Yeah, there's uh, it's a big cast, actually. Amazing to be back in a, a live auditorium, you know, with a big cast play with a full house. It's really quite exciting after the couple of years that we've Right, so you're currently previewing. That's right. And you open this Friday. Open this Friday. So previews essentially are, um, uh, you know, an opportunity for us to rehearse and for the theatre to share that with an audience so so we can sort of make changes um, based on what people are receiving and and what we feel the house is doing. So um, it's still kind of all to play for and we're just sharpening our Yeah, because there's nowhere to hide in theatre, which is why you have these previews. It's what lots of other sort of uh, lanes of entertainment should do, but don't, because they don't have to see the whites of the eyes of the people that are there, but you do, and therefore you you ensure yourselves as as much as you can, don't Very you? Much. Well, actually, interesting, one of the changes we made on Saturday was that in, in the rehearsal room, I was um, I have quite a lot of direct address to the audience, and in the rehearsal room, that was, you know, the matter of looking at somebody's eyes six feet away from me. Um, here I'm blinded by the lights quite literally so the lighting designer made some tweaks to bring the house lights up a little bit in those moments so that we have that connection and it's really important because I mean you know the creative team are out there sitting feeling what's happening to the audience where they laugh where they get lost where they enjoy something and perhaps we could you know just lean into a bit more and I can feel it on stage but if you don't have that opportunity to make those subtle changes then you don't necessarily get the you know the real dynamite that can happen when something's really right how did you go about your trump um well i feel it's been brewing in all of us um you know i feel like we've all been studying mr trump for a long time and um i didn't have to do that much research as a consequence mike's written It's quite hard to write him, I think, because he does things that you couldn't make up. Um, But um, Mike is, I think, a brilliant dramatist and uh, has imagined things that are both hilarious and chillingly credible in terms of what could happen. Um, uh, How did I go about it? Well, I don't know. I just kind of close my eyes and imagine I'm that person work out what that might feel like and then do it you never give a straight answer to this i I will never stop asking this question but they always say something like well you know and i go no we don't know we don't know how you're so good at your job gary elman was in here on friday said the same thing right but you do have this magic do you know he said he gave me one of the best responses he said um they're talking about one of my heroes by the way so well he's all our hero in, in different ways isn't he but um he says he said you know if you want to some something to be something or you want to remember something just forget everything else right and it shall appear i mean that's probably why people are so elliptical in giving those answers because i think if any of us really knew quite how we did something well then you know you'd write the book and stop doing it but (laughs) um it's elusive isn't it and um but the other thing that's true is that i think um like sorry basically i think of course one gives a lot of thought to like how do i what is going to make it good um and you can get quite bound up in um technique and in thinking this is why it's good and it can be quite um uh constraining and actually with experience you realize to just trust whatever it is whatever alchemy magic talent it is and just relax usually relaxation improves things and um so actually thinking too hard about how to do it is not helpful that's technical though isn't it so that's like that is it that is a sort yeah. of general technical answer but can you personify it with with regards to the fact that it's trump a little bit can you personify it a bit that's um, you mean can I do him? No, 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 not at all. <laughs> oh. No, no, I mean, I mean the thinking behind doing him as opposed to somebody else. I see. Must be a little bit different. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of psychology, I suppose. And is he a sociopath? Do you think? <laughs> um, you gone that far? I don't. I, one thing's this is not me pleading the fifth, although it sounds like it. I one of the things I have learned to do is to never um, uh, acting is it's not journalism so you're yeah, not yeah, trying yeah. to be objective it. it's it's deeply subjective and and i think i do have a sense of what i think of the man but i'm trying not to judge him yeah. i'm trying to just imagine what it might feel like to be him and then other people can judge him the playwright can judge him the director can judge him the audience or, will or judge not, him even. or not and and I, so i think like if i say out loud 
yes, I think he is this, that, or the other. Harold Pinter used to say, if you want to know what my plays mean, come and watch the play. Yeah. I feel like that about my performances. I feel like I break something the minute I comment on it, which is why I'm so boring in interviews talking about it. Because <laughs> if I say to you, this is who I think... Uh, Donald Trump is, then there's no reason to come and see it. I've read read all the interviews, not all of them, but a lot of them about this. It sounds amazing, doesn't it? Yeah, brilliant. But again, I'm just anxious hearing about it. What's, what's, (laughs) Um, people who are really good at the theatre come on this show and make me anxious about their shows, (laughs) which I suppose is right in a way, isn't it? Because you take all that in there with you. Yeah, I guess so. Well Well done, mate. Thanks for being here, Bertie. Thanks for having me. Bertie Carvel, the 47th, uh, starts in earnest this Friday. Any preview tickets available still? Yeah, um, there's lots available lots for the run and uh yeah but get them quick because i think they're going to go like okay ovictheatre.com all right Uh, that's that the best of the chris evans breakfast show with sky virgin radio it's been a while since he was on the road but we're pleased to report he'll be back at a theater near you very soon his new uk stand-up tour borderline kicks off next month so please welcome a comedian that's guaranteed to get some belly laughs out of brexit it's the brilliant patrick keelty good morning patrick good morning Morning, lovely people, lovely people. Man, it's so good to see you. You look so well, my friend. I mean, this is what happens when you lock yourself in the house with two kids under five. Drink yeah. drink at five yeah. and go to bed at seven. And also marry one of the most wonderful women in the world. That does help, doesn't it? The key to life is to find someone who's out of your league and convince them that they aren't. <laughs> is that not how it works? Yeah, for long enough for them to marry you. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, buyer's remorse. I don't have any. You need to ask her. Well, I talked to her at length last year. You know that. And she, she, I know she doesn't have any either. Patrick, it is great to see you. Uh, was, am I remembering it correctly? Was it the first time we met backstage at Don't Forget Your Toothbrush? I would have been a very small boy at that stage. Is that right? Yes. Who didn't really know how TV worked, but thought he did. Was that the first time? Because I remember the meeting really well. Mm. I just, just, just don't remember if that was the first time. We met that was the first time. And the great Stephen Stewart from Northern Ireland directed the show. And I remember going to see the show because uh, Stephen was directing me in a little show in Belfast. And I sat in the back of the gallery and I'd never seen a show directed before. And Lulu was on and you said, nice job, it's Lulu. And Stephen Stewart pushes the seat back and she goes, well, and Stephen Stewart goes, oh, you know, we make me one or two, come to three and four and two, come to four and two and five. And I, I said, uh, Wahid, he was sitting beside me. I said, what are those numbers? He said, they're the camera numbers. <laughs> and the whole studio, I mean, that show, the country just vibrated yeah, from the banging, energy of that it? show. But Stephen, one of the greatest directors of his generation, and and still to this day, I don't. He started. He, he started up his own TV company. I saw him a few years ago. What mm. is he up to at the moment? Uh, he still has that show. He's doing very nicely. He's just back from Turks and Caicos. Right. He 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 needs no sympathy and lots of love. Steve yeah. Stewart is doing very but very Steve, well. Steve, you are awesome. You, you certainly knew how to handle me. That's for sure. It was great. It was great. I felt very safe in his. Service. Yeah, he's one of those guys that. Um, I don't know. It, you know when your life, when you don't know what you're doing, yeah. but you think you do, yeah. and Stephen Stewart's just the voice that you need on your shoulder to say, it's going to be okay. Yeah, th- that's the thing, isn't it? That's exactly right. You've nailed it. That's what you need. It's not what you think you need to hear, but it's, and he lets you carry on thinking you're knowing what you're doing whilst mopping up after you, uh, preparing the ground before you, and uh, then giving you a, a lovely velvet cushion should you fall over either side around you. And then what happens is a wee bit later in your life, you realise... <laughs> oh, good he was. Yeah. Because you can't make a TV show to save your life without <laughs> I've no idea what he's talking about. Oh, anyway, oh. Uh, right, back to stand-up. Um, yes. So it's, it's interesting, because one of my first questions I was going to ask you is actually answered in the cheat sheet here. Mm. So the first uh, stand-up tour from Paddy by, for ages. By the way, can I ask you a question? Sure you can. Because there's a weekend of sport, yes, and the Masters sir. is on. Yes, sir. Is this not a great guess for you on a Friday that you knew you didn't really have to prep me? You could actually just sit and watch the golf, and you knew that you, me and, me and you would just have a wee chat? Yeah, well, we could talk about golf as well. Yeah. And we could talk about cricket. All and of those things. The Brayburn Stadium. Uh, we have uh, lots of previous where that's concerned. Uh, but I was just looking forward to you coming in, to be honest, Paddy. Seriously, it's just nice to see you again. But Borderline is the name of Patrick's new UK tour. And I was going to say to you, you know, because you, you can go out and be funny whenever you like. No, I can't. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Yes, you can. And no, I know it takes loads of work, but you can. And you you have and you will and you always do and you're brilliant um so i was going to say when do you decide to go out on a tour because you haven't been out on one for ages but it's sort of answered within here um family 
ties, family duties, uh, priorities. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, the last tour was what, so six years ago? Yep. The boys are six and four. No further questions, your witness. That, that's it, it's as simple as that. It's kind of as simple as that. And we were in America at the time, so if you wanted to do a stand-up tour, you know, you were saying, okay, I'm going to leave for three months. But the fact that we're back here now, people love to laugh at the weekends, means that you can just do, it's not really a tour, Chris. It's a series of mini breaks. Oh, this is what I was saying. It's to... a series of mini breaks. Oh, I sent this to Russell Brand the other day. He said, "Well, like, you know, I'm on tour at the moment." I said, "Russell, you're not on tour. You you, you come back Monday through Thursday, and and you, you're having these mini breaks." Yeah, that's what he's doing. Essentially, what you do is you go to you know tell jokes on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yep. and eat the food you want to. That's the deal. <laughs> that's what it is. That's kind of what it is. And hopefully, make people laugh in between. Why is it called borderline? It's called borderline because I grew up uh, in Northern Ireland, close to the border. Um, I wanted to write something about how the world looks at the minute. Mm -hmm. I ended up writing something about who I am and what my attitude was growing up, Mm -hmm. how the place I grew up formed me. And when you come from Northern Ireland, I think there's a weird thing where in the back of your head, you always thought that you were a bad news story. Northern Ireland was a bad news story and we didn't really have any lessons to Uh tell the world. And when you see the world moving slightly polarised and I think that what we do now is we like to sort of put people in boxes and we like to say, no, no, don't tell me who you are. I already know. So we make our opinions very quick. We're very binary in how we choose. You know, it's news, it's fake news, you're a Brexiteer, you're a Remainer. In Northern Ireland, we kind of did that for years we basically just made our minds up about people before we even looked at them I mean Rachel will tell you I mean when we were growing up we had a little thing where we were told that Catholics and Protestants eyes were were further apart yeah remember that how you said the letter H how you said the letter H and you just if you wanted to know if you wanted to put somebody in that box you just asked them what school they went to yes and so what we did was we lived in a binary society that didn't work and then we did this amazing (laughs) thing where we actually came together and we made peace. (laughs) And we made peace by actually realising that there's a middle ground. And so I wanted to write something about actually coming from a place where we maybe did make progress and maybe the world where it's going at the minute might sort of might be nice to listen to what we've been through. No, I get it. I get it completely. Wow. That's why it's called Borderline, everyone. <laughs> so, so where's the laugh? <laughs> the, the laughs are always there. I mean, the, the laughs are always there about, you know, what it was like growing up there. I think that the best comedy always... Look, there's no point in getting on stage unless you've got something to say. And I think that the fun is actually people go to shows with preconceptions. Yeah. And the best comedy is a dance with the audience where you kind of unpick what your preconceptions are of them and they of you. And you give a little bit of yourself away and maybe they go away, you know, laughing at themselves and thinking, actually, no, oh, no, that is me. Oh, no, that's me. I didn't think that was me, but that's me. All right, uh, Paddy, uh, thanks for being here. Look, I mean, I loved it. Thank you. You're awesome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He sold millions of records, has his own range of wine and is a very good golfer. If only he put some effort in, he might just achieve something. Train's brand new single, AM Gold, is out now. So please hop on board as we punch his ticket and say, Hey, soul mister, to the brilliant Pat Monaghan. <laughs> hey! Pat, good morning to you in San Francisco. Yeah, good morning to you, yes. Oh, wow. This uh, has been such a pleasure listening to your show. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you guys are so smart and you're talking about all the right stuff. Tell, tell, tell me about that. Tell me what, what you mean by that. Um, well, you... first of all, I love the kooks. Right. And then you're talking about running television from yeah. a whole different uh, atmosphere, which is uh, all the right moves. Like yeah. You have to do that. Well, Pat, we're massive fans of you and your band. How long has your train been running for? I mean, it seems like uh, almost 30 years, like about about 26 years now. So Drops of Jupiter just turned 21. Wow. And uh, we're trying to find our way back to the UK after all this uh, lockdown. And uh, this is our way to do it. Well, it's very cool, pal. It's very cool. Uh, I know you, you ha- you're embarking upon a US tour very soon. 35 dates and counting? 
Yeah, I think about 45 dates. 45 but we're days. trying to head into the UK in August. All right, what can we do to help facilitate that? Just talk about it. <laughs> it's That's a day, it. It's this, a day. Is, this is what we're doing. It's a day of facilitation. That's what it is. Um, yeah. So cool. So we're so, so excited this morning. So for the first half of the show, we just talked about golf because our, our, our headline sponsors are Sky and they, they broadcast the Masters live. You've played Augusta, mate. What was that? How did that happen? What was it like? La da yeah, da da. I have a very dear friend who is a member, and uh, it's been such a pleasure to be there. I can't even tell you how wonderful it is. And uh, I was supposed to do a show for Mercedes, so I was going to be there this weekend, and then they canceled the show. So I traded in my Mercedes right away. <laughs> I, I, I I don't even have one, but I wanted to trade it in. I didn't know that, because I knew you were supposed to play last year, but that didn't happen because of COVID. So why, why, yeah. why not this year? Or should we just not go there? I don't know. I don't know why they canceled the show, but I think it had to do with the same kind of uh, they didn't want people in close proximity. They wanted people to go to the event. And so I don't know why they canceled it, but uh, here right. I am. There, there, there's a whiff of some reasons there, I suppose. Um, yeah. But you've played, you've played, because I've worked there. I've, I've, I've commented on it. Vassas, our co-host here, has commented on it as well. You know, we've been on course it's, and it's a great thing to commentate on. You're not allowed inside the ropes, of course, uh, like at, at every other tournament you are when you commentate, but you're not at the Masters. It has all these great, kooky, uh, unique rules. But to tee up there, I mean, what was that like, pal? I mean, honestly, it's like nothing else I've ever experienced. It's uh, it, it's if you like golf, it's the church of golf. Yeah. But if you don't like golf, then who cares? But uh, <laughs> if, if, you, if you do like it, it's uh, it's like nothing else you've ever experienced in your life. Uh, it's the most beautiful course with the most wonderful gentlemen that you'd ever been around, or or gentlewomen, and uh, the course is. It, it plays like nothing else. The greens are impossible. Everything that you do <laughs> is insanely difficult. Yeah. But, uh, it, but it's wonderful. Yeah. Now, one of the things when you're on tour as a, you know, as a band, um, it's, it's what you do before the show to stay out of trouble. And taking your golf clubs around the world with you is, is a yeah. handy idea, which you do do, don't you? Yeah, I do. I, and I, I had a, I had a plan to go to Ireland and England to play in May, but, this tour kind of interrupted things. So I have to do that. And then hopefully I'll be able to play maybe in the fall in the UK. Because yeah, Glenn Fry of the Eagles, he he did similar. He was renowned for his golf. Um, and if he didn't have his stuff with him, he just bought new everything and then gave them to somebody at the course when he left. Oh, he, that's cool. He was renowned yeah. for that. Well, I didn't know that, but I'll do that in the future. Have you, um, have you played with some uh, fellow rock and rollers over the years? I have. I, I played with some some great musicians and some some great uh, pro golfers. My favorite pro golfer is uh, Jason Day. He's the most wonderful guy you ever meet. And uh, I also have hung out with uh, Paul Casey, who's a great UK player who uh, I hope wins the uh, the the masters this weekend that'd be really fun to watch you sound so together pat um thanks again for all that um you know and you still enjoy a glass of wine and you've been in rock and roll for you know uh three decades probably more this is just the train years we're talking about um yeah. you know how have you held it together in what can be a turbulent and um ultimately um d destructive uh career yeah it can be actually uh i started in a family where i was the youngest of seven so they were like yeah you're not going to be some kind of uh guy that's not going to be cool and then i met a wife or my met, met a woman who <laughs> somebody uh, became else's wife, my wife. <laughs> I, met, I met somebody else's wife uh, i met a woman who became my wife and she was like yeah i'm gonna pass on the same thing as your mom which is uh you're gonna be a great human being first yeah. and so i'm trying to be that that most and foremost but i mean what you guys are doing is so fun and so i mean I'm I'm more blown away with the, your 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 radio show than uh, anything you could be blown away with my music. Okay. Believe me. Well, you can't say that um, because then I can say that, and you're wrong, Pat. Tell us about AM Gold. Well, AM Gold is uh, I'm, I'm worked on this record for so long. Like we tried to put a record out uh, before the pandemic, and then the pandemic hit, so we locked it down and tried to write more and more and more, and it just got better and better and better. So we made a record that was like a throwback uh, album, like the AM Gold compilation records that are 
like part A and B or R and B and part uh, disco and singer songwriter and all the, the, the varieties of music that you get. And uh, so that's what this record is. And AM gold is the disco version. And so the next song you'll get is like a, a slow heartbreak, you know, R and B song. And then it will go on from there. Okay, so AM Gold is the title track of the album, as well as, of course, being the new single. Um, that is out now. The album is out on Friday, the 20th of May. Do us a favour, send us a bottle of your wine and, and let me hear your album up front so I can rave about it. Would that be okay? I would love that. All I right. would love to send you that. I mean, honestly, if anybody deserves that, you do. Pat, it's just a joy to talk to you. It's my birthday last Friday, but I feel like it's my birthday today. <laughs> and you're my birthday gift. Pat, have a great um, rest of the night, uh, morning over there in Seattle, and please don't be a stranger. Thank you so much. Great, thanks. I can't wait to see you guys. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. All right, we've heard from a bunch of beautiful guests already, but still to come, the homebody Kevin McLeod tells us what to expect from Grand Designs Live 2022. Former Nike Chief Marketing Officer Greg Hoffman was live on the line from Portland, Oregon, taking us on his professional journey with tales from his new book, Emotion by Design. Awesome adventure and super nice guy, Danny Bent looks ahead to this summer's run, best run, and the oh-so-present Laura Brand shares amazing ideas from her new book, The Joy Journal for Grown-Ups, 50 homemade craft ideas to inspire creativity and connection. Plus, Sky Sports F1's Crofty gets us revved up ahead of the Australian Grand Prix live and exclusive on Sky Sports F1. Right, let's get back to it. Dapper Dave, who's next? If you can see the budget spiralling and know that the windows just won't make it from Germany in time, then the next guest is just for you. Grand Designs Live is back at London's Excel later this month, so please welcome a man that'll have you on McLeod 9 in no time. It's the one and only Kevin McLeod! Good morning, Kevin! Good morning, Chris. Grand Designs Live. Grand Designs Live is back again, granddesignslive.com. What's new on the block this year, Kevin? Oh, blimey. Well, there's a whole new part of the exhibition called uh, Green Living Live. There you go. And it's a sort of, it basically, we've just taken all the best of the green stuff and put it in one place and then added at the middle of it a house. So we've got a, a, a low carbon house that we've built, which is sort of quite, I suppose it's quite timely, isn't it, at the moment, given the, you know, cost of heating and energies. To, to, this is a house which exports energy rather than sort of comes consumes it you know you know, what what about energy saving housing on a on a grand scale which obviously you've been involved with in the past are still involved with now you know i mean it's it's long-term planning which isn't very popular because obviously we have elections every five years and you know opposition has to be that and you know um government has to be the other uh where where are we who's le- who's leading the charge here which country can we look to for inspiration and proof that this is the sensible way to go Oh, Denmark, Germany, Sweden, uh, Austria, Norway, uh, Holland. Yeah, I mean, mean, you know, all these North European countries which have got their act together in terms of not just really, really low energy housing that's super insulated, but also which is kind of on things like district heating systems, you know, where people share resources. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of the whole cost of life is cheaper as a result. See, why do, why, what is it about northern, the Northern European territory, you know, which excels when it comes to what's, what's good for the community and human beings as opposed to the non-human beings, other things? Whether it's schooling, whether it's, you know, like education, whether it's redistribution of wealth or equal distribution of wealth or all decent housing. Yeah, well, I'm going to be I'm going to be contentious here and say that um, without getting too serious, that the 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 British model is the open market model. We just love, don't we? You know, the moment sometimes he says, I, I'm, I'm going to sell you some apples, you know, immediately there are 55 separate companies trying to sell you apples, mm. you know, all in competition with each other. And it's the same with energy and housing. I mean, it's kind of. Yeah, we, we, we love a competitive market. And I think so many countries that are politically driven with these strong agendas, and they're really important now, aren't they? I mean, um, they, these, they, they tend to be a bit more top down, you know, the government is slightly more in control. And I'm not suggesting that we should be renationalizing everything. But, but actually, um, I think when it comes to, to things like housing, we don't just need policies, we also need leadership. How about that? Uh, yeah, and long-termism, which sort of goes yeah. against everything we not stand for, but everything we're sort of strategised for. But what is it about the geographical clustering of these like-minded countries? Well, they're all in Northern Europe where it gets cold. I think that's the answer. Is it as simple as that? You know, I think it is. I think Canada's quite good too for this reason. Right. Know, they kind of really address the Because they sort of have issues. to be. 
Yeah, they have to be. Yeah, yeah, because otherwise people would bankrupt themselves trying to stay warm, you know, in winter. Oh, Kevin, um, Kevin, Kevin. I know. Um, and, you know, it's not just... I mean, I visited a house in Finland a mm. few years ago, which was built in the 1600s, and it had... It, it was insulated with moss, sheep's wool, and felt in, in the walls. It was brilliant. The whole house was built from, like, stuff within about 50 metres. And yet it was one of the one of the warmest, snuggest buildings I've ever been to, you know? And it was 400 years old. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it entirely. Um, I used to have a lovely house that was, that was so, the stone was so thick, cool in the winter, uh, uh, warm in the winter, cool in the summer. Like it That's had it. its own sort of microclimate going on. It was so, so sorted. Uh, yeah. Kevin, what about ice baths and houses? What about them? And, and outdoor you... saunas and plunge pools and hot Oh, you mean tubs. all that stuff? Come yeah, on, well, yeah, tell well, us about I like this. It. No, us... I like a bit of that because, I mean, a few years ago I made a, I went to the Arctic Circle to make a, 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 a programme about a family living there and uh, stay with them for two weeks. And, yeah, we built, we built a, a, a mobile sauna while we were there, which is brilliant. And what they do in, in the, you know, up in Finland is that they don't, and just sort of northern Sweden, they, if, they, if they haven't got any water because everything freezes over in winter, what they do is go into the sauna, like steam up and then yeah. run out and fall literally into the snow yeah and i they said go on try it try it try it <laughs> so I, I i i jumped out of this thing the sauna absolutely naked ran down the steps and the night before there'd been a thaw and then it had refrozen so i fell over i just went and i went smack onto oh. just a great big sheet of ice harder than so concrete cut my nose open and and sprained my ankle so you're not doing um, that again. Yeah. Uh, right, uh, here's a phrase for you. Three words um, that may, may well uh, cause your blood to run cold. Supply chain issues. Yeah, yeah. Supply chain. What a lovely, what a lovely thing. The supply <laughs> chain's fallen off my building bicycle. Um, yes, it's, uh, yeah, that, there we go. That Right now, things are, I mean, I think the price of timber's doubled, the price of steel has tripled in two years. Yeah. Uh, I can't keep up. And you can't get some stuff, you know, so even if you want to buy it, you know, and you've got the money, you still can't get hold of Fence panels. Things. We've been waiting for fence, fence panels Have since you? the storm. You can't get, we can't get them. We've got the fencer. Or we've got, you know, he's got his, his ability and his tours. He can't get the panels. Still. The best thing I heard was plasterboard, and they couldn't make plasterboard not because they didn't have any plaster, but because they didn't have the paper to put on the plaster. That's crazy, isn't it? Uh, so, how is this going to affect Grand Designs when it comes back on the air? Because you know, projects often overrun anyhow. Um, this is a sort of unwelcome curveball into the mix, isn't it? I would imagine. Yeah, but then you get people building their own fence panels, you right, know, and plastering their own walls with mud, and just you know, just making do and mending and buying stuff on the internet for no money at all and you know and sort of just just finding ways around it and i i, I think it's kind of, i love it i mean I, I remember in the last recession you know people said oh it's going to be so difficult and hard and tough for people to finish yes but on the other hand when people just spend their way out of a hole that's not good design you know um when they think their way out of the hole creatively that's more fun kevin good luck with everything i love you uh you, you know where we you. are and we're always here for you okay yeah lovely to speak cheers pal grand design live.com if you've never been before you should go because it is absolutely awesome it's the xl uh 30th of april that's a saturday to friday 8th of may the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. There's a disturbance in the Formula One force at the moment as Lewis Hamilton isn't winning everything. Will order be restored? Well, this weekend, the Australian Grand Prix is live and exclusive on Sky Sports F1, so you can find out. Ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to commentary, there's nothing he can't didgeridoo. It's Crofty! Oh, that was good. <laughs> that was Very good, good well. wasn't it? <laughs> He just gets better he's and better. He's been working on that. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, pre- I'm going to have to raise my game with that intro. No, you're fine, That's Crofty. It's, it's just Vassos uh, we need to worry about. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's all going off, isn't it? It's all. We couldn't have had Ooh. two more feisty opening Grand Prix. Uh, we know that Mercedes are... Uh, lagging behind uh, the sort of uh, front runners, they're still very much in contention for points and things like that. But it's all about Verstappen and Leclerc. Yeah, that's the new battle this uh, this year, isn't it? Welcome yep. everybody from Australia, where it is uh, sixteen fifty three precisely. Thank you. Uh, it's middle of the night, as far as I'm concerned. I'm still not over the jet lag, um, and I don't think I've got over the start of this season either, because everything has changed, as you said. Um, nice to see Red Bull getting their first points on the board in the last race. Nice to see Ferrari still up there. Would be lovely to see Mercedes joining them as well. Uh, but I'd rather get the feeling we're going to have to wait until maybe after after Miami, maybe Spain, to see the best of that Mercedes. They've come here with exactly the same car as they had in Jeddah. So Lewis Hamilton's chances of a win this weekend, short answer, uh, none. Long answer, only if a few other cars uh, retire. 
But at least Lewis isn't Daniel Ricciardo, who I think has got an even worse job in his own Grand Prix. Well, yeah, I know he has, but he's pretty chipper going into it. You know, and that is Daniel all mm. over. I know he's not always. That's not always his disposition. But he's very excited to be going home, we hear. Um, yeah. Ticket sales are nuts. Uh, that's official. Also, there's a lovely local <laughs> yep. Aussie non-profit on the side of the car for McLaren this year. That's right. Um I think McLaren are very good at that and bringing lots of new uh, partners into Formula One as well. And also um, getting together with charities. They've been doing a lot with mental health charities in mind, haven't they, in the last few years as well. But the reason why it's nuts down here for tickets, it's 1,118 days since we last raced here in Albert Park. It's 656 days since they locked the gates and no one could come in. And this festival of motorsport that is the Australian Grand Prix cannot wait to get going. Honestly, wherever we walk in this city people are so excited to see Formula 1 back here again nothing like it yeah and often we talk about upgrades with the cars don't we but there's been upgrades with the circuit itself Oh, yeah. Turns 1, 3, 6, 11 and 13 have all been widened, which is good because the cars are very wide these days. Opening up the apex, hopefully give us a bit more overtaking. They've got rid of the 9 and 10 chicane, which is a bit of a shame, really, because that generates mistakes and often leads to incidents. But what that has also done by getting rid of that chicane is made the track an awful lot faster. So the little flick that used to be, or the left-hand, right-hand flick at 11 and 12 is now 9 and 10, is going to be epic to watch. We've got four DRS zones as well. So we've got a bit of a tactical battle going on with DRS uh, this year and when to get in front and when to just hang back. So that'll add an extra uh, bit of spice to the occasion. But it will be fast. Hopefully it won't get too furious and we'll get lots of overtaking on the track. That's what all these changes have been designed to do. And it needs it because we haven't had enough overtaking in Australia to match the fever pitch excitement that goes with this race. All right. Well, we shall see. I have only um, mm. only uh, uh, great hopes for this Sunday and the whole weekend. However, you're, mm. you're suffering from jet lag. We are in danger. And we don't mind, by the way. It's the kind of danger we wel- welcome. We're in danger of suffering from Sky Sports lag this weekend because... You, you <laughs> what a Sunday, <laughs> eh? I know, but you kick off on, <laughs> on Sunday at 6 a.m., right? You say what a Sunday, but yeah. we'll, we'll we'll still be up watching the Masters on Saturday night. Oh yeah, Sunday morning. So we, we it's not an all night; it's an all weekend. We're going to have to pull this weekend. Uh, yeah, I, I, quite. I, I'm looking at Cam Smith, uh, maybe uh, maybe Justin as well for 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 the Masters or DJ. Uh, for the Masters. That's the kind of driving I have no expert knowledge in whatsoever. But the Masters is the culmination of a brilliant weekend of sport and a special Sunday as well. Starting off with a Grand Prix. And if you do oversleep and if you don't get up in time, don't worry. We're going to totally rerun the race all over again before Liverpool and Manchester City, which is just the is the little filling in the in the driving sandwich here. Starting off in Albert Park, ending with the Masters, top of the Premier League in between. Sky Sports has got it all covered this weekend. And as for a winner of the race here, I'd rather get the feeling Max Verstappen, for the first time in Australia, is the man to be caught. But Ferrari are snapping away at his heels and they won't be giving up any advantage that easily. Leclerc leads the championship. Verstappen is on a mission. Yeah, but Leclerc is a much cooler cat. Verstappen sometimes is his own yeah. worst enemy. Carlos Sainz is a cool cat. They get on well. You know, it seems to be a very happy time, a happy sort of um, incarnation at, uh, at the um, at Ferrari at the moment. Oh, oh absolutely. And look, here's, here's a bit of useless uh, Formula One trivia for mm-hmm. you. Carlos Sainz could become this weekend. Should something happen to Verstappen and Leclerc, and if Sainz doesn't win the race, say he comes second or third, could become the first driver since Jean Vera back in 1956 to lead the championship without ever winning a race. Love it. Uh, you can discuss that at your leisure as you recover from the Grand Prix and look forward to the football. All right, mate. Uh, lots of love out there. What's the weather like? Uh, what's the weather like? Mm. Beautiful. Uh, the sun is just setting yeah. somewhere over We're Bruce's so mother's pleased. at the moment. We're so pleased for you. <laughs> it's been about 27 degrees today to be fair I've, I was playing yeah. a lovely round of golf at Kingston Heath yesterday right. and you know, it, it got quite hot after a while got really hot in the last hole when uh, when Simon lazily lipped out and I managed to beat him didn't want to mention that but as you brought it up yeah okay <laughs> and you get, you're getting paid for all this you get paid as well yes uh, yes, wow. yes. It is. It is vocation, not vacation. Some, but, ca- you know, some kind of job. Occasionally, Chris. Some kind of job. Uh, David Croft <laughs> and the team from Sky Sports F1 all over your tellies this weekend, along with the footy in the Premiership, also on Sky Sports, and of course the Masters from 2 p.m. live today. Sky Sports Golf. 
The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. From sleeping in a van outside the office to going toe-to-toe with the greatest athletes on earth, our next guest has been on quite a journey. His new book, Emotion by Design, is out today. So please welcome a man that always strives for smooth sailing on board his leadership. It's Greg Hoffman! Good morning, Greg! Good morning. Thanks for that Billy Ocean intro. That was great. By the way, that is some bookshelf. We thought you were in a bookstore, but that's in your house, isn't it? Yeah, I have a bit of a book obsession, so uh, it makes sense that I'd write a book, I guess. Well, what a book. Emotion by Design. Couldn't put it down yesterday. Creative leadership lessons from a life at Nike. Literally, you know, a a one-company guy until a couple of years ago from your late teens. Uh, I would say, how did it all happen? It's all in the book, of course. Uh, But what a story. I've got to say, I finished reading your book yesterday, uh, Greg, and I thought, okay, uh, I'm going to uh, watch something uh, which is a little less taxing. I'm going to put something on. So I put on episode five of Winning Time, the story of the oh, rise nice. of the Lakers. Yeah, <laughs> and I couldn't what get. A show. I know, but I couldn't get away from Nike because that's the episode in which um, Magic Johnson goes to this sort of expo, ah. and Phil Knight chases him around the building trying to get him to sign right. a sponsorship deal with Nike. That's right. Well, uh, it's it's storytelling, and I'm sure there's some truth within that. But um, <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I'm uh, fascinated with that uh, that show, and um, certainly relates to this idea of emotion by design, right? Engage viewers yeah. in story and. One hundred percent, yeah. And the you know the big endorsements, you know, professional endorsements of Nike products. Um, you know, Nike trailblazed that kind of um, ethos, uh, and still does to this day. And you rose to the heights of being in charge of Nike's global imaging. I mean, that is something. You know, please. I mean, you know, please tell the story of you know uh, what you were doing at college. The fact that it wasn't even you who contacted Nike first; it was a pal of yours. And then what happened That's next? Right. Well, yeah, I uh, I was introduced to the idea of a Nike internship uh, by a friend of mine who I was in college with, who was a, a, a sneakerhead, you know, draw, drew shoes all the time. And um, so I decided to sign up for it. And um, it was uh, my senior year in college. And I sent my portfolio off to this place in Oregon. I was from Minnesota, far away from that. And uh, lo and behold, I get this internship. And um, the problem is I graduate college, I'm broke, but my parents borrowed me their van. So I drove the van 27 hours across America and showed up uh, to the only address I knew, which was Nike. Um, But the problem was, is the internship was still three to four days away. So I just slept in the van in the parking lot and waited to that first day because I had to meet people to understand, you know, where was I going to live and how was I going to live? But uh, ultimately, that kind of kicked off this incredible uh, run and the ability to collaborate with all these incredible athletes and teammates and um, put so many different concepts and inspire so many people from around the world. Just give us, if you don't mind, um, the highlights of your own sort of personal um, Nike Hall of Fame of names we will have heard of that you have collaborated with in your career. Well, certainly uh, starting with the late, great Kobe Bryant, just an incredible partner. Uh, Whether you were creating a product or a story, uh, he was so curious and he was always sharing his inspiration and certainly if you see if you watch the kobe system commercial he also knew how to poke fun of himself as well and of course there's lebron and watching lebron grow not only as a player but a human being and working with him to express his personality through his product and his commercials was just amazing and now look what he's doing in terms of using his platform and his voice uh, to to really have an impact in society And, you know, I would even throw in Kevin Hart, spent time with Kevin (laughs) Hart. And what people may not know is he brought running and training to the masses, Um, literally created a movement about movement. So he's just obsessed with fitness and he does it with humor. And then finally, I would just say Colin Kaepernick and um, just the impact he's made, not only in the U.S. and in the world, and also the sacrifice, the professional sacrifice uh, he's made um, when he took a knee uh, years ago. So 
Um, those are just uh, some of the key players uh, in this kind of journey that I was on and, and individuals that uh, I still draw inspiration from uh, on a daily basis. Yeah, and, you know, the book is called, of course, it is Emotion by Design. And the, the last uh, lines of the book itself are be human, design emotion and leave your legacy. And, you know, it's all about the personification of what would otherwise be an inanimate object until, for example, a pair of human feet slip into whatever running shoes or sneakers we might be talking about. Um, and, and if you do personify yeah. things via actual people, you also therefore have to take on their values. Uh, and the book sort of transitions more towards that towards the end which is I, I, I love it I love the way you you hold us by you take us by the hand and you lead us through your story your adventure your experiences and the, your revelations within your own biography well thank you for that and it is true I mean to to make an impact in the world and truly change it for the better you do have to kind of resonate in the deepest way possible with your audience and within culture. And when you can do that and you can move people to act uh, against some of the most pressing issues of our time, um, it's, it's not only gratifying to work for a brand and with teammates like that, um, but that's when you start kind of trend, you know, transcending your products, right? And, and truly leaving a legacy uh, as a brand. And do you have one sort of cherished um item nike item or, or a pair of boots or shoes or sneakers or something like that like a an original waffle sole uh you know if your house caught fire and i hope it never does and you were to rescue one nike um product what might it be well i specifically i have a collection of air jordan threes oh my goodness right and those <laughs> i those i would have to run back into the house yes and try yeah. to grab all of them yes. <laughs> and run back yeah. out. And they pay for your new house, which is fine. <laughs> there, there, there you go. So. Uh, Greg, great to talk to you, man. Uh, thanks for staying up so late. Uh, have a lovely day and well done on an, an amazing book. By the way, what do you think of your own front cover as a graphic designer? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's well, I'm learning that each country is a little bit different, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that the, the U.S. cover has a pair of abstract Air Force Ones and... Um, the UK cover did a nod to the swoosh, and I love the green vault color. Yeah. I mean, talk about jumping off the shelves. Yeah, uh, good. All right. Now, if you do read this book, you need to have a laptop or some kind of intelligent device next to you because you need to Google all the images he talks about and all the films that he talks about. Greg, goodbye. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Dabba Dave, who is next on this, um, this, this, whatever this is? <laughs> From organising the longest relay of all time to writing best-selling books, our next guest has been there and run it. He's spreading the joy at Rumfest Run next month, so put on your running shoes, put a smile on your face, and welcome the shiny, happy person that goes by the name of Danny Bent. All right, Danny. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, it's wicked to be here. You're very well. Welcome, mate. You're very welcome. So you, you've been voted as one of the 100 happiest people in the UK. H how did that work? Um, it's all about... Um, it's, it's more about what you do for other people, the happiness you bring to other people. I do all this stuff that kind of raises money for charity or just brings people together into communities. But then there's also that kind of... The, the, the way you come across, I guess. Yeah, and... Yeah. Um, well, you you have literally skipped in here today, and we, we we thought, what if he comes in really grumpy? You know, a terrible journey in on the tube. It's been a bit of a week, but none of that. You are what you are what we ex well what we wanted. You, you you can't walk into this studio and not be happy. I'm meeting you, Vassos, the team. It's just it's just super awesome. Yeah. Well, you want to you know. It's, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like that every day, is it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It is. So um, Danny. <laughs> Yeah, so you, I hear that you ran the Manchester Marathon on Sunday without training and you finished it in three hours, two minutes. A, is that true? B, if it is true, how did that happen? I think there's some Chinese whispers. I do do some training, but just over the winter, it's been one of those, you know, everyone's been getting sick over and over again. You yeah. get a cold, then you get COVID, Can't then you get another cold, then yeah, you yeah. get a cough. Yeah. So I've just not really been doing any proper training. Right. And then um, I just set off and I was just like, I'm just going to enjoy it. And yeah. I think that just took all that pressure off. And, and fresh just, legs as well, was, maybe. Yeah, yeah, fresh legs a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I, just had a, I, had a, I had a burger and chips the night before. I was like, let's just do whatever I want to do. See, now, I get that, because you, you could sort of eat what you want, you know, within reason the night before. But if I ate a burger and chips, that would, that, that would, I'd get a lot of um, acid reflux with that. I had a moment that there was a bit of a churn in the stomach, and yeah. I thought this could get messy. And just By the way. luckily that passed. 
All right, so three hours two means you qualify now for Boston almost by accident. Yeah, it's so amazing. Are you going to go to Boston? Yeah, I'm definitely going to Boston. We, I organised a relay from LA to Boston uh, 10 years ago now. It was nine years ago. And we raised £600,000 for um, the people affected by the bombings of, in Boston. And it's the 10th year anniversary next year of the bombings going off and us doing this. And now I'm going to be running in Boston. I feel I feel like crying. Just Aww. it feels like the universe is at, at work and just made something happen. This I shouldn't have done that time. Well, I shouldn't have qualified. But the more you load your flywheel, the better things happen because they sort of can't not in a way. I mean, you know, but something unfortunate will happen. Somebody will get sick somewhere, but uh, you know, or, or something else might happen. But basically, what you're doing is, if you sow enough seeds in the right field, you get the flowers, don't you? That is, I just believe in that absolutely. I just do it all over the place. Just do as much as positivity as you can it flows back to you and spread all your seeds of joy pal <laughs> how does one organize a, a, a relay from la to boston what does that mean um so so i broke um three thousand miles up into 10 mile segments right and then just popped it out on social media and said um you know, put it on a website popped it out on social media and said do you want to sign up and um the american people all signed you know, they always got so behind it really and um so it was carried non-stop from la to boston through like thunderous lightning storms and through 50 degree heat and but and those passings of the baton get more important every time they happen and people would see that baton coming towards them knowing it's their turn it's their responsibility this 10 miles is on them and they uh, they burst into tears just seeing the baton come round the corner and the be- the be- real beauty of it is it the way it brings people together like we all know what's been going on in america and it just didn't matter. Like whoever was holding that baton was giving that person a yeah. hug, passing the baton and going on. It's it was brilliant. It's so important, isn't it? It's brilliant. It's what you do is fantastic. And you're off to Nepal on Thursday. What's going on, what's going on there? Yeah, well, I've, I've, I do loads of adventures all over the place. I've done kind of solo things. And you come back from solo adventures and you can talk to a mate about it for five minutes before they're bored. Whereas I just realised that if I wanted to talk about these things more, I needed to take people with me. So I just stick it out on social media, say I'm going to climb in Mount Makalu. And um, I got 20 people join me. And so we're all going and having a experience. Mate, <laughs> I know you don't currently have a partner, you don't have a family, but and, and you're making the most of that position because that position could change at any moment. And we're in different situations, but we're very happy with our lot as well. Um, but, you know, if you are free, you've got to make the most of it, haven't you? Uh, I absolutely agree. Yeah, make the most of every single moment. And you're moment. all free in our, in our own different ways, yeah. I suppose. And you, you, know? and you also, like, we all experience, like, I'm sure we've all, I've had one of my good friends pass last year, and I'm just like, now I'm living for him as well. And I'm yeah. just like, I'm, I'm doubling down on everything. So, that's just the way I am. Good for you, pal. All right, so you're at Runfest Run. So how big on social media are you then? What, what are you Instagram, are you Snapchat, are you all, everything? Yeah, I mean... What, what are you on? Tell us what you're on. I'm on Instagram, Danny right. underscore Bent, yeah. and uh, Facebook. Uh, I've, yeah, I've just started going, rapping about my run. So I, I actually was recording raps as I was going along the marathon. Still managed 302. Uh, so I've started putting them on uh, a few other ones as well. But yeah, yeah, I'm on, I'm on it all. But I'm not like... Ma- I'm definitely not massive at all. But you must have a, a, natural, a certain amount of natural fitness because Vassus, who's really brilliant at running and yeah. has run loads of different things. I mean, you know, when you break three and um, three hours for a marathon, you're pretty chuffed, aren't you? No, beyond chuffed. Right, I mean, that's the, that's the holy grail. Manchester is one of those marathons. I once ran 301, I think it was, in Manchester... And without really trying, you, it's the sort of marathon because it's it's really it's fast, it's very flat, but it's very friendly, and it just you sort of get filled with that sort of a sort of joy running round, and then you suddenly go, oh my goodness, that was really quick. Yeah, there's a magic. The, the support was absolutely magic. It wasn't like London. It wasn't the big noise, but there was yeah, just yeah. something really like. Mm. We're lifting you. We're going to keep moving you forward Almost like, like that. a cooler vibe, if yeah. you like. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, is it very well attended then? Yeah, yeah. Most masses of runners, masses of support. Fourth biggest in Europe now, Manchester. No, I know, I know from, from an entry point of view, but yeah. I meant from a spectator point of view. Oh, yeah. yeah, it felt like there were people the whole way. It really did. Good for you. Yeah. Um, so what are you going to do for us at Runfest Run, my friend? My new best friend. I like you, Danny, but you're all right, <laughs> oh, pal. So good. Um, so I'm going to be um, on, on the main stage. I'm going to be introducing the likes of Paul, uh, Steve Cram. Um, I'm going to be doing the warm-ups for the runs. Hopefully I'm going to be able to jump off that stage at some point and do a few runs with people and chat to people along the way. And um, I mean, really... The things I'm looking forward to most is just getting all those runners together. We all know it's an amazing community. We're all so supportive of each other and uh, getting out there. And the, the band, Sophie Ellis-Bexter, Top Loader. Yeah, basement Jack. Man, we are going to be having some serious fun. Can't wait. Good for you. Well, you're the man You're the man for it. It's great to meet you, pal. Oh, thanks, Chris. You're awesome. Uh, where can people find you again? Uh, Instagram, Danny underscore Bent. 
All right. And uh, Runfest Run, go to runfestrun.co.uk for tickets uh, to spend a weekend with people as inspiring and collectively hugely inspiring as this man, Danny Bent, who we've fallen in love with this morning. Cheers, Danny. You're awesome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. She's spreading smiles across the world one jam jar candle at a time, and you can join her in jubilation. Her latest book, The Joy Journal for Grown Ups, is out now, so please join us as we welcome a lady for whom creativity is very on brand. In fact, it's very on Laura Brand! Yeah, Laura nice. Loza! Oh, thank you. What a welcome. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thanks, Chris. Congratulations with this book. It's it's the second in what could be like a hundred, I suppose. Uh, your first one was the um, the Joy Journal uh, of Magic, Magical Everyday Magical Play, everyday yeah, play yeah. for Kids. That was for kids, yeah. And it was a Sunday Times bestseller, as this one already is. This book is fantastic. That book was, book was awesome. Uh, you do talk about the fact you didn't get to celebrate it because of um, the pandemic, but the book was celebrated by lots of people who bought it. Yes, it was. I mean, to be honest, yeah, I previously... So I was writing that, the Joy Journal for Magical Everyday Play in the two years um, preceding the pandemic. So for me, when it was going to be released at that time, there was I was sort of like, wow, I can't believe this. This is a book about how to make crafts with what you've got in the house and home. And everyone's at home, and I'm, I don't know what to say, but it was really, I got such a good response, and the Instagram sort of community really came together. So even though I didn't have a launch or celebrate it in any specific way with interviews or anything like that, other than podcasts, which were amazing, there was a, an apparent community of parents and... That made me feel very much motivated to immediately start writing another one. Well, so. you know, um, every cloud and all that, and there were many silver linings, and there continued to be many silver linings to to what was, you know, otherwise horrible, and continues to be horrible as far as COVID is concerned. But this familial getting together, mm. um, families really, you know, reconnecting and getting to know each other in the old-fashioned way, I suppose. Yeah. Do you know what you said something earlier about Channel Four? Actually, you said nostalgia is powerful, and when I I was writing the kids book I was doing these activities with my children and I was feeling the nostalgia of doing them myself when I was little and to be honest homemade play-doh you know flour and oil and salt and it and it's had that smell again I was I call it nostalgic in the smell first is book a big thing, um, it's massively and um what I wanted with this book as well is exact same thing was I wanted to conjure a sort of sense of nostalgia in kind of you know us adult grown-up people who sort of still want to play and and you know it's sort of yeah that's that's so nostalgia is a really important element of it and that going back to traditional stuff stuff we might do might have done with our grandmothers or mums and doing it again now and uh, the launch of this book couldn't be more different from um, your first book because on sunday it was just this celebration this explosion this this rainbow of, oh. of joy and we, we had this gorgeous sunny day a unbelievable of day, a couple of days before it was blizzard you know we had the blizzards and uh, we had like three or four blizzards on thursday afternoon i think where we live i know we did uh, sunday was stunning and the turnout was unbelievable i know that lots of people who who tried to come later had to just carry on driving um, <laughs> no bad thing by the way uh, in the particular valley that that, um, that, that we're referring to, but because they couldn't park anywhere, um, uh, and, and and you did bring the book to life, uh, mm. probably more than you imagined you might. Totally, I mean, like, yeah, I, I, do you know what? I love pulling together. Again, it's something I talk about in this book. I love pulling together people's sort of skill sets so there were people making flower garlands there was kids crafts in the garden so things from my first book and then I'd set up inside an indoor well um, a sort of a, a, a long table with still life and painting materials and I was encouraging people come in go and get yourself a drink have a snack and try and do a bit of still life painting most people immediately feel like oh no I'm not touching art materials I can't paint so I sort of my whole real my passion is to try and encourage people even beginners to have a go and find that creativity within themselves and be okay with being a beginner and that was what I think was apparent people were coming up to me at the end you know uh, women older than me uh, uh, same age as me saying like I've done this painting I'm quite pleased with it. I'm going to take it home <laughs> um, and uh, so yeah it did thanks for saying it came to life but I it's really, infectious isn't it I, I hope so I think the reason that joy is such a Joy is a thing that is a comforting feeling, but also it is it is infectious. It's a feeling that you can sort of, if you are a joyful, you know when you've met a joyful person, you feel you kind of can't help but smile. And so I hope 
things in this book and the day on Sunday, thank you for saying, created a joyful... Yeah, effect. and there's this new venue um, which you, you seem to have chanced upon, um, mm. and we can talk about it more. We are, we won't specify it now, but that is, you, you should do that there all the time because oh, I, I know, know people will come build it and they will come. You know, know, and it, it honestly. People, families, mums, you know, you could do it for free some days, then people could pay for other days and fund the free days. It's it's waiting to happen. That is he- heaven sent. You, you've oh. been given that venue, you and Russell, mm. f- for a reason. And um, I'm sure yeah. you're aware of all. I'm sure, I'm sure you sort no, of feel the same way. Yeah, I mean, Chris, like, I, lo- thank you for your enthusiasm. That's so amazing because, yeah, sometimes you can get sort of overwhelmed with ideas and think, oh, this is space and I'm going to do workshops and I'm going to, and you sort of, go, right, where do I start? And mm. actually, maybe Sunday was the start of that. I, I've already been doing festivals and workshops for children originally and now moving into the kind of grown up space. It's the and same. It's, it is the same, yeah. except for a different layer of insecurity. So, children generally just have a go and they don't care about the outcome they're much more into the process there's something very very interesting and it's the thing that I'm continually trying to kind of go further into is that we're all we've sort of in a way some of us some of us have lost the art of play and certainly are much more self-critical than we need be so I hope that through these sort of simple easy crafts there's an entry point for a lot of people that might otherwise find themselves yeah. underconfident. And I think there's a temporary separation, but there's a permanent um, non-separation. Mm. Uh, there's, a, there's a permanent, a permanent sort of um, uh, same place for joy to happen. Um, is it, I mean, look, we could go through loads of the making these, but just get the book, everybody. Just get this book in your house and in your life for everybody that you love. It's called The Joy Journal for Grown-Ups. It's already a Sunday Times bestseller, as was the first one, and there'll be many more. But, you know, all in good time, because that's what it's all about, isn't it? Thank you, Chris. Thank you for your generosity today having me on. Thank you both. And um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.